0: For the Climate Discussion Nexus, I'm John Robson, with the latest readout video from our Wednesday wake-up email newsletter. And yes, we got the fire going again because it's cold in winter of all unexpected things. Yeah, at least unexpected if you're a climate alarmist. Indeed, in the newsletter we noted that if the continental United States had on November 1st been on average 11 degrees Fahrenheit warmer than normal, Or even if just on Halloween, North Dakota alone had been 44 degrees warmer, the usual suspects would have had no difficulty explaining the phenomenon. Instead, the United States was 11 degrees Fahrenheit, colder than normal on November 1st. And yes, North Dakota was an astounding 44 degrees Fahrenheit below average on October 31st, which prompted National Geographic to scratch its wise old head and wonder if cold weather can come out of nowhere, even brutally. As we've noted before, the science is totally settled on climate change, it's just weather that's mysterious. And so it is that National Geographic, shivering in the unseasonable cold, rediscovered the unspeakably frosty winter of 1709. And they wrote, quote, in today's newsletter, we examine our early chill and the mystery freak winter of 1709, end quote, which they say, quote, disrupted two wars, broke church bells, froze Venice's canals, and turned the Baltic Sea into horse paths, end quote. And the punchline? what caused it we still don't know for sure end quote whereas the hot summer of 2023 was just like totally certainly man-made climate change as the link from that newsletter to the main story which is actually recycled from a year ago asks of this sudden severe protracted cold spell in 1709 could it happen again and of course the answer ought to be no for alarmists, and National Geographic is all in an alarmism, the air is now full of heat-trapping man-made carbon pollution, thus heating the earth to the global boiling era of fire. And if it turns out that sudden cold spells are possible anyway, well, you know, don't worry. The theory's obviously right. It's just the facts that are mysteriously wrong. In the newsletter, we also take note of columnist Terence Corcoran's announcement of, quote, the current collapsing state of climate policy around the world, end quote. And that route includes much-vaunted alternative energy systems crumbling fiscally. But it's not just us, Corcoran, or the other usual suspects on the skeptical side now. These calls are increasingly coming from inside the greenhouse. Canary Media noted unhappily that, quote, "...the U.S. offshore wind industry faces a moment of reckoning," end quote because of, quote, a wave of project cancellations caused by periods of skyrocketing inflation, high interest rates, choked supply chains, and financial troubles that have put hopes that the industry will play a major role in reaching decarbonization targets in serious doubt, end quote. And yes, even the New York Times is phoning it in. The gray lady warned that, quote, wind power, key to Democrats' climate change goals, faces a crisis, end quote. Why? because, quote, instead of gathering momentum, the industry is confronting obstacles that could hinder its ability to realize the renewable resources promised benefits, end quote. And the publication North American Wind Power led off on November 1st with, quote, Orsted, ocean wind 1 and 2 are being deep-sixed, revolution Wind staying the course, end quote. Heatmap Daily called it Orsted's debacle. So you see, fewer and fewer people are pretending that it isn't happening, or pretending that it's progress. So, if you believe in climate change, but no longer buy the hype about wind and solar, anyone for nuclear plants? Meanwhile, here's another typical Green New Deal style flop. Parker Gallant noted that the Canadian federal and provincial governments had boasted loudly of their subsidizing electric ferries to the tune of over $120 million to replace the diesel ones that were serving Wolf and Amherst Islands, which are off Kingston, Ontario including he quotes a press release that said, quote, Ontario is building the first fully electric non-cable vessels in Canada with two new ferries to connect the mainland with Amherst Island and Wolf Island, Yeah, except they were A, built in Romania, not Canada, and B, having arrived in 2021, they never worked. We also note that a bunch of politicized health journals want the UN to call climate change a health emergency, as opposed to a credibility emergency, but the press can't see it. AP reports that, quote, John Coleman, who co-founded the Weather Channel and was the original meteorologist on ABC's Good Morning America during a six-decade broadcasting career, but who later drew people's anger for his open skepticism about climate change being man-made, has died, end quote. Of course, he also drew praise for his open skepticism, just not from anyone that AP knows. And now, a word from our sponsor. And yes, again, that's you. All the people out there who are already backing our work and all the people who are subscribing. More than 84,000 of you on YouTube alone, we've had almost 10 million views. But we need to keep up the momentum. And that's why I interrupt to pass the hat to those of you who aren't already backers and say, please make a pledge one time or monthly $3, $5, $10, whatever you can afford so we can continue to push back against the climate cult and win this battle. And now, back to me. Oh, and last week we mentioned the odd sympathy for Hamas of climate alarmists from Greta Thunberg to Antonio Guterres. And it no longer looks just like coincidence, as organizers with Canada's anti-global warming David Suzuki Foundation helped organize pro-Hamas sit-ins at the offices of Canadian Members of Parliament. And speaking of the Suzuki Foundation, Canada's subsidized state broadcaster bewilds that, quote, raising children amid climate crisis requires personal and political action, activist says, end quote. And of course, the activist in question is Severn Cullis Suzuki, David Suzuki Foundation executive director. And yeah, no subsidy's too high to produce that kind of bold counterintuitive journalism, so the CBC gets about $1.3 billion a year from the government for its minimal audience share. Which in some ways seems unnecessary, since Canada's Angus Reid Institute, which is part pollster and part pressure group, claims in a series on Canada and the culture wars that, quote, two-thirds, 67%, say climate change is real and human-caused. A further 22% of Canadians say the trend is natural, end quote. And then it tells those dunces what to think. Quote, in a nation ravaged by wildfire and extreme weather events leading to catastrophic floods, it is notable that the proportion of those saying climate change is unproven has dropped from 16% in 2014 to just 7% now, unquote. Ravaged no less. As the Institute adds, quote, a majority also say that climate change is a crisis, 63%, that necessitates immediate action, unquote. But if that's the case, Why are even somewhat costly climate policies huge political losers in Canada, as they are elsewhere? It's almost exactly as if they knew what they were supposed to tell pollsters, but that privately they weren't willing to suffer deprivation to chase rainbows. Thus, the general collapse of the whole alarmist project obviously includes the increasingly desperate backpedaling of politicians as their vision unravels on voters in rage, but also trouble in industry, including EVs. As Joe Nova recently wrote, quote, it's been a crushing week for the EV industry as the bad news that's been brewing for months was laid bare in the quarterly reports, end quote. And how bad is it? Quote, Volkswagen admitted orders are down a shocking 50% and they are sacking 2,000 jobs in the software division. Ford posted an operating loss of $1.3 billion for the quarter, meaning they are losing $36,000 for every EV they sell. They face a ghastly full-year loss of $4.5 billion, so not surprisingly they are delaying battery plants and plans to expand production the head of mercedes-benz described the ev market as a pretty brutal space panasonic has slowed ev battery production by 60 percent in japan compared to the same quarter last year while its u.s plants were okay profit forecasts of the whole energy division were down 15 percent and depended on u.s subsidies end quote yeah apart from that it's going great no Wait, it's not. Even Heatmap Daily allowed that, quote, it's been a confusing and sometimes dismaying week of electric vehicle news. Ford, GM, and Hertz are slowing their transitions to EV, and even Elon Musk sounds daunted by what's coming, end quote. As Akio Toyoda, the chairman and former CEO of Toyota and a longtime EV skeptic put it, quote, people are finally seeing reality, end quote. Well, not everyone. The Guardian shrills, quote, global heating is accelerating faster than is currently understood and will result in a key temperature threshold being breached as soon as this decade, according to research led by James Hansen, the U.S. scientist who first alerted the world to the greenhouse effect, end quote. And for bad measure, Hansen added, quote, we would be damned fools and bad scientists if we didn't expect an acceleration of global warming, end quote. But wait a minute, didn't you just say it was happening faster than you expected? which would make you the fool, wouldn't it? Don't worry. It seems that the settled science is all unsettled, but it's totally believable anyway. The article says, quote, The Earth's climate is more sensitive to human-caused changes than scientists have realized until now, meaning that a dangerous burst of heating will be unleashed that will push the world to be 1.5 degrees Celsius hotter than it was, on average, in pre-industrial times, within the 2020s, and 2 degrees Celsius hotter by 2050, the paper published on Thursday predicts, end quote. On this one, even Michael Mann was unimpressed, saying semi-tactfully, quote, I feel that this latest contribution from Jim and his co-authors is at best, unconvincing, end quote. Yep, you could say that. At best. And certainly unsettled. In the newsletter, we also return to our ECS in the Real World series with a paper from Alexander Otto et al. And in this case, et al. is quite the list. 16 climate scientists, many of them heavily involved in the IPCC and in a paper in Nature Geoscience that's just seven paragraphs long, obviously they got right to the point. There hadn't been much warming thus far during the 21st century, despite all the extra CO2 in the air, so it was time to revisit the question of ECS. They got the data together from the usual places, and they did the usual calculations, and they determined that the most likely value of ECS is... 2 degrees Celsius. A level at which, note please, The social cost of carbon is zero, so the appropriate policy response is to do nothing whatsoever to try to limit warming. And in the newsletter we also look at IFAR, which is a tool used by climate scientists, or scientivists as they're sometimes called, merging scientist with activist in name, as they so often do in practice, to measure the cost from extreme weather events that can be attributed to your gas stove, that is, greenhouse gas emissions. So, FAR stands for fraction of attributable risk, as in attributable to anthropogenic climate change, and I stands for impact, as in the cost of an extreme weather event like a flood or a hurricane. Multiply the two together, the argument goes, and you get the dollar value of the damage done by CO2 emissions. The trouble is, the conventional method grossly exaggerates the financial damage from extreme weather events attributable to greenhouse gases by assuming, according to none other than dissident climate scientist Patrick Brown, that a storm that did some large amount of damage with climate change wouldn't have happened at all without it. A far more realistic view, Brown says, is that it would have happened anyway and just been a bit less severe, so a great deal of the damage can't be blamed on climate change. Windstorms, for instance, are on a continuum from a gentle breeze to a howling gale. They're not a binary phenomenon where there's either dead calm or else there's a hurricane. Uh, Unless, of course, you ask a climate model. Finally, from the co2science.org archive, we present a study on whether rainfall has become less stable from 1940 to 2009. Alarmists say that we're getting more extreme weather, but In this case, apparently we're not, and moreover, the study found that the patterns of changing rainfall in some places, quote, show no relationship to local or global changes in temperature, end quote, but there does seem to be a bit less drought. For the Climate Discussion Nexus, I'm John Robson, and if we really were in an era of global boiling, I'd be opening my windows in winter instead of lighting a fire. (laughs)